Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about how past experiences might be impacting your present relationships. We could also call this episode how Corey figured out that she was afraid of people. (laughs) But essentially, we're looking at relationship blocks, and relationship blocks are usually contingent on some self-limiting belief that we carry around people, how we view people, what we expect them to do, how we expect them to behave. For example, until recently, I had this belief that it was better for me to be hyper-independent to go it alone, to not rely on others, because if I did, they would only hurt me if I opened myself up to them. And I had that belief because of my past experiences with people. I want to take you through some of those experiences so that we can see together how they led me to form those self-limiting beliefs and hold on to them for so long, how it stopped me from creating relationships with people. And then I also want to give you some ideas of how you can identify and work with some of your own self-limiting beliefs if you've got them, which you probably do. Most of us do, if not all of us. And hopefully that will give you some tools for either going out and making new connections with people, healthy new connections, or to heal the connections that you already have that you want to keep in your life. And so that's why I would put this talk in the pillar four of the four pillars of wellness. If you've been following along from the beginning, you know that there's four pillars of wellness, your relationship with your body, your relationship with your mind and emotions, your relationship with your creativity, your spirit, being pillar number three. And then pillar number four is your relationship to others. And so because of this connection to others, hopefully you'll be able to gain some insight into how to work on that pillar. So let's get into it by asking me, myself, (laughs) when did I figure out that people were awful? (laughs) And I'm joking, but that was definitely the belief that I had for a really long time. And I developed that idea that people could really hurt you, that they could really do a number on your head, on your heart. And it was better to hermit myself away, to keep myself away from people than to put myself out there because to put myself out there was really dangerous. It was really risky. People could really tear me apart because I'm such a big hearted, loving person and not everyone deserves to have access to that big heart. And I shouldn't say deserve because that gives the impression that people don't deserve to be loved, which of course all humans innately deserve to be loved. But I should not be throwing my heart out there to be stepped on by just anyone. (laughs) And I developed that idea that maybe I should be more careful with myself and lock myself away so that no one can hurt me because of those experiences that I had. And some of them I've already shared before, but if you've already heard one of these stories, just bear with me because they illustrate my point. But some of these experiences that made me believe people were not to be trusted, that it was better to be a queendom of one, was being outed at school as gay. If you may remember, I lived in a very small conservative town Manchester, Tennessee, and I went to the county fair. That's the thing that you do in small southern towns. It's like a big deal. The fair comes to town every year. 
And so I went to the fair with my friends and there was a girl there and she was very cute. And I rode some rides with her. Apparently this was all it took to absolutely destroy (laughs) my reputation because when I went to school, I actually skipped it the next day, but when I went to school the day after, that was all it took for everyone to know that I had left the fair with the one gay person because I didn't know that she was like a pariah. She was like a pariah in the community because she had had some incident with a girl the year before, maybe it was two years before, and for that reason, everyone knew that she was a member of the LGBTQ plus community, which we didn't have all those letters back then, I don't think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we just called everyone gay, guy, girl, whatever, you were a gay But anyway, I don't want to get too carried away with that part. But the idea was everyone knew she was a gay. And so for that reason, because I had left the fair with her, because they had seen us ride rides together, and maybe I had even held her hand in public, I don't know. But it was such a shock that when I went back to school the day after the fair, the day after the day after the fair, everyone had changed. Like, I had been relatively ignored in school or even liked. Like I had friends. I had a whole schedule that I liked. School had always been my safe place because at school, people weren't disruptive or crazy, right? My home life had always been very volatile and difficult, but home was nice. And, or, but school was always nice and predictable and, you know, everything happened at the same time every day. And it was sort of my sanctuary. And I felt like my sanctuary had been taken from me because when I went back, then suddenly I was now an outcast too. And there were many instances from that day forward of being bullied, of being shoved in my locker. I had never had something like that happen to me. I had never, I mean, at home, obviously things were volatile, but I had never had anyone at school like say mean things to me or push me around or try to start things with me. And so it was really hurtful because I felt like I had lost my one sanctuary, my one safe space in the world. And so that made me form this belief that I couldn't trust people and I couldn't trust spaces necessarily because if anyone knew who I really was, you know, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't accept me. They would just, you know, bully me or outcast me for some reason or another. And so that was one experience that kind of formed this belief that people could hurt you. Another one was this experience with my father, him having narcissism. And I've listened to many YouTube videos, podcasts and stuff where self-aware narcissists explain kind of what's going on in their head. And they often talk about the jealousy that they feel toward their children, like they see their children as competition. And for that reason, whenever their child starts to succeed or to shine in any way, They have very negative reactions and they criticize them or they put them down or they try to put them back in their place because they're uncomfortable seeing their child succeed or shine in any way. And that was definitely my experience too. I didn't know at the time that it was jealousy because, I mean, it just didn't occur to me as a kid that my dad would be jealous of me. Like, why wouldn't he be proud? Why wouldn't he be happy? Because all I wanted to do was to make him proud right? So everything I did was to get his approval or to make him proud of me. And this was especially amplified in my case because he was the more stable of my two parents. So it made me feel like he was the one most capable of giving me that kind of recognition or acknowledgement. And so when he didn't, it was especially hurtful because it made me feel like there was something wrong with me of why I couldn't earn that affection or that approval from him. And so Anytime I would do something that I should have been very proud of or should have been very happy of, he would definitely like cut me down. And so it made me feel like 
again, sort of like with the being outed as gay at school, that I couldn't be myself or that I couldn't be good at anything or that I couldn't be too smart. Like being too smart was a big deal. (laughs) And it was really interesting, the cognitive dissonance there, because on one hand, my father would always talk about how smart I was to his friends. He'd be like, oh my gosh, yes, she's got such a big brain. She's so much smarter than me. He would really play it up, even though I don't think that I'm especially brilliant, but he would play it up to other people. But if I was in a situation with him, he would really cut me down for that. He'd be like, oh, you think you're so smart. You know, he would really try to undermine my views or opinions on things anytime I would try to push back or set a boundary or try to make him account for what he had said or done or something hurtful. And so there was some dissonance there. But essentially, this idea of not being able to be who I was, not being able to succeed, I couldn't be too creative, I couldn't be too smart, I couldn't be talented in any way that he was not superior, that kind of thing. And so it also made me feel like I had to hide myself away, that I couldn't be the way I wanted to with other people because it was going to have negative effects. And I experienced this in the real world as well, unfortunately. As most adults do, I've lost a couple of friendships as adults, and there have been a couple instances where I've lost friends because I have achieved some measure of success. And so, for example, one instance was I had a really good friend in college, and we were really close, and then I met Kim, and we got married, and she stopped talking to me. And another friend told me that it was essentially because I had dared to go get a relationship and become happy, which I was really disappointed about because obviously I don't want to not be (laughs) in love and married and then lose essentially my best friend at the time, right? She was one of my dearest and closest friends. And to have her just stop talking to me because I had found happiness or love was really hurtful. That was really difficult for me. And in a similar vein, I had another friend. We were both writers and I started to get some level of competence in my writing and she also stopped talking to me. And it felt very much like the same thing that like this idea of someone not wanting to be around you when you start to do well. And it just really reinforced this idea that like I can't be all of myself with people because either it's going to cost me that friendship or it's going to hurt me in some way. And so there's parts of myself that I have to hide away, that it's not okay to be me with everybody. And this is on top of the situation with my mother, there's the general volatility of people are unpredictable, they're not to be trusted because, you know, I would go somewhere. I think I've told the story before about how I had a a concert in the cafeteria in third grade. And so I had to get up there and sing a little song. And my mom said she would be there. She never came. She was, I think, drunk. And then she drove entirely in the wrong direction for an hour. And so when the concert, I'm using air quotes, you can't see my fingers, but I'm going concert because (laughs) is it a concert with little third graders? I have no singing ability whatsoever. I sound probably like a donkey with its head in the bucket. So I don't sing well at all. But you know, I'm how old are you in third grade? Five, six, seven, eight, eight ish, seven or eight. And she didn't show up. And the police had to take me home because no one came to get me. Not only did she not come to this concert, but now it's like nine o'clock at night and no one's come to get me. And so things like that, many instances of that, it's like people are unpredictable. They're not to be trusted. These are the beliefs I've formed. 
that it's not okay to be myself around people, that if I shine too much, if I'm too good at something, it might mean that I might get targeted for being different or they might stop talking to me, they might abandon me, I might lose them. And so for all of these reasons, I started to hide pieces of myself away. I started to tell myself stories about how I had to be around people, I had to be a certain version of myself around people. I might lose them or I might not be lovable or they might not like me. And then it became much more comfortable for me to exhibit, I guess we can call them my talents or my abilities from behind a screen. So writing books or doing things like this podcast, you know, I'm hidden away. You can't see me. (laughs) You can't see me. And so it almost feels like I'm protecting myself from people by sharing stories, sharing my talents or my skills, but not being physically in the presence of people as part of it, but also not letting them really have access to me. That's also part of it it felt safer. And so that's where I started. And that's kind of what I leaned into. But that's really unfortunate because as I'm learning, the more I go out and I meet people and I invite more people into my life, that there are so many amazing people in the world who are doing interesting, amazing things. And I love ideas. I love people with their ideas. I love seeing what they make. And so I developed a habit of hiding myself away. I developed a habit of only showing parts of myself to certain people in very controlled situations because I didn't trust people and I thought that they would just hurt me or that they would abandon me if they really knew the me that apparently is so unlikable that it was abandoned or mistreated by the people before them. And it's really unfortunate that I held that belief for so long because it kept me from finding a great relationship for a long time. When I started to heal this, I got into my relationship with Kim, but then I've also healed it in a more kind of professional and creative context more recently. But in the realm of love was the first place that I was able to kind of address this issue. And so it's been a long journey. It's been like 10, 15 years for me to completely start to open myself up again to people. And in a lot of ways, I'm still doing it. I wouldn't say that I'm just wide open to people. I'm still very cautiously going out, (laughs) testing people out, seeing how they're doing, looking to see if there's any sharks in the water. But more and more, I'm learning that I really like people. Like I convinced myself I was this introvert who hated people, but I'm actually really into people. And it's because there are so many amazing people in the world and they're doing interesting things and they have amazing thoughts. And I love seeing what people make and what they do. I love hearing about people's dreams and what they're into, what interests them. And so this idea of keeping myself disconnected from people in order to protect myself is just really sad when I think about how much I enjoy meeting people and I enjoy learning about people and I like to see what they're doing out in the world and I like to be exposed to new ideas and new situations because I'm actually a very curious person but I didn't know that (laughs) I didn't know that until I started I mean I knew I was a curious person because of all my varied interests but I didn't know that I was curious about people too that I was interested in people too I thought No, not people. (laughs) But it was really just my fear and my aversion keeping me from exploring that part of my curiosity. And so that's because I held that belief all my life that people were mean, they couldn't be trusted, or they would be judgmental or backstabby, or they might leave me out in the cold. So I didn't have that confidence or that interest in putting myself out there and going and checking people out and seeing what things were about. And if I had held on to that belief forever, let's say I had never addressed the issue and I just kept holding on to it, it would have been really sad because I would have really missed out on some amazing connections in my life, connections that I have now, all the connections that I've made up until this very moment. 
there's my great marriage, but there's also some really good friendships and professional connections. And so it would have been really sad that I had never experienced that just because I was too afraid to put myself out there and connect with other people out of that fear that they might hurt me. And so I want you to ask yourself if you have any fears about people. Like, are you afraid people will hurt you? Have you been really disappointed or brokenhearted by people in the past? And if you are, in what ways might you be protecting yourself now? And only you can answer that. Like, only you know how it is because it can be really subtle. (laughs) Like I mentioned, I thought that I was cool with people because I wrote all these books and then I would hop on the internet and I would tell people about them, but then I'd go back to my room. You know, like I thought that I was doing okay. I didn't realize I was hiding myself away so much. So it might be really subtle and only you will know the ways that you're tricking yourself. But ask yourself, do you avoid people for any reason? Do you hide yourself away from people because you're afraid of them hurting you? Are you putting yourself out there? And if you're not, why not? And I'm not saying you need to go out there and throw yourself in the deep end. I don't want you to do that and traumatize yourself. If you're protecting yourself, it's probably for a good reason. You probably have some negative experiences that made you feel that way. So I don't want you to do anything that's going to hurt you. But at the same time, maybe start questioning these beliefs because they might be keeping you stuck. And this week, I want to give you an exercise. I want you to get out your journal. And if you don't have a journal, go get one. Just pause this episode and go get one. Because right now I'm using a $2 composition notebook. So there's no excuses for, oh, I can't get a journal because whatever. You can literally find them for like 50 cents in the Dollar Tree store or whatever. So definitely go get yourself a notebook or write it on the back of anything, scrap of paper, flyers that you stole from the library or something. But get out your notebook, get out your paper, and I want you to list five to 10 negative beliefs that you have about people. Even better if you can find some absolute statements. And what I mean by absolute statements is that they usually have the keywords always or never in them. And I'll give you some examples from statements that I used to have about people. So number one, no one is ever faithful in partnerships. All of my relationships before Kim, they were cheaters. And so I had that belief for a long time that nobody was ever going to be faithful to me. But that proved not to be true. But let's let's not get distracted. <laughs> so no one is ever faithful in partnerships. Number two, I can never be myself around people or people will hurt me. Third example, I've never had a real friend. No one's really been my friend. Four, I don't feel like I fit in anywhere. There's no place for me. Or the fifth one, I'm not very lovable or people never like me. So maybe you heard the always or the nevers or the nots in there. But whatever it is, write down your negative thoughts about people. And you'll have to kind of listen to yourself to know what yours are. And then we're going to try to figure out how and why you got those thoughts and how they might be limiting you. So for starters, I want you to pick one. You can do this with all of them, of course. You're going to explore all of the examples that you wrote down, however many you have. But you got to start somewhere. So just pick one. And then I want you to write down all the memories you have that are associated with that statement. Any of the experiences that might, quote, prove that it's true. And by prove, I mean you feel like it's supporting evidence. It's not true that you're not lovable or that no one likes you. That's absolutely not true. But in your mind, it might be very true. In fact, as you're listening to this, it might be something you believe 100% with your whole heart. And that's a perfectly fine place to start. Start there. And so how this will work, for example, using me, I could have written down the statement, I can never be myself. People will never accept me exactly as I am. And that's not true, but I bet you I can find memories that make it feel true. Like all the experiences I just shared with you about the bullying or the narcissistic dad or the cheating jerks from my past. 
And so when I write down those feelings, I want to get as juicy as possible with the details. I want to write down everything I remember about it. How did I feel? What did the people look like? Did they have certain looks on their faces? What did they wear? Where did it happen? What happened? Was something said? Did something happen? Did I get pushed? Whatever it was. And then what did I do after it happened? What was my reaction? Like what similar situations did I get put in that kind of triggered those old bad feelings? And also for the present moment. So what's something that I encounter now to this day that might make me have some of those same feelings? So all of it, go completely deep dive into the experiences that might be used as supporting material for your negative belief so that you can kind of get this sense of why you have it, where it's coming from. This is important for practicing self-compassion because you don't want to just tell yourself, oh, it's stupid that you believe no one's going to love you. Like, of course you don't, because again, we can always be really rough with ourselves. And so going in and tell myself, don't be stupid. Like, of course somebody loves you. You're being dramatic. That's not gentle, (laughs) to say the least. That's very harsh. I don't need to be too harsh on myself. And it also helps me to understand where I'm coming from. And this might be painful, so take it slow. Don't overdo it. Take your time with the journal entries. There's no race. Do this as long as you need to. Months, years, if you need to. But the sequence to this is you've identified the negative belief, which is when you wrote down the statements. And then secondly, you explored the memories attached to that. And then lastly, what you're going to do is you're going to look at the fear behind it. And how you write fear statements are, I don't want to do anything about blank because I'm afraid blank will happen. So here are some of my examples. I don't want to do anything about my fear of people because what if somebody hurts me? Or I don't want to do anything about my loneliness because I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of asking people out or trying to go on dates with them. They might just tell me that they don't like me and it might really hurt my feelings. Or I don't want to go out and meet people because I'm afraid no one's going to like me or they're going to think I'm boring or that I'm stupid. And no one's going to want to be my friend anyway. And what you do with this fear is you change the statement and you figure out how you're going to overcome that fear and another kind of if this then this that you can use to help push you in that direction is I might be afraid of blank but if I try I might actually blank and my examples of that would be I'm afraid of looking stupid but I might actually meet some amazing smart people who totally get me so that's my example for feeling stupid. Another one would be, I'm afraid of people getting mad at me or being jealous of me when I just want them to like me. But I might also find my tribe, my people who will always support me and who will let me shine. Or a third one, I'm afraid of being judged or disliked by other people, but I might find people who really love me and they love what I do. And so that will hopefully plant the seed in you for turning things around so that maybe, just maybe, It'll get you thinking about why it might be worth it to you to get out of your comfort zone, to try new things, to look for more opportunities to meet people and make friends and do things or find love, whatever area of relationships in your life that you feel like needs work. Even though you might have some very real reasons for protecting yourself, I don't want to take that away from you. I don't know what happened in your past. Whatever you believe about that relationship or why you hid yourself away from the world, It was probably a very good reason in your head and in your heart at the time. But just because something was true in the past does not mean it's true now. And just because you had a really good reason to do something, it doesn't mean it's the right reason to keep yourself stuck in that situation. But you won't know unless you get out there and you give people a second chance. So start thinking about it. Think about the area of your relationships that you want to work on. Maybe it's more friendships, which are really hard to make in adult life. We all know. Maybe it's more romance or more love or a meaningful connection. Whatever it is, 
think about what you want and then start looking at your beliefs and figure out what it is that's holding you back from going after that. And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful. And if you would like to write into the show and ask my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you through any of my social media or through my email at cory at coryamstrom.com. But otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Cory Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.